Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Who. I am Kyle Jones, and welcoming back, as always, Clarence Brown. Mr. Brown, how are you? I'm doing good, man. And as always, happy to be on another episode of Discussing Who. So, yeah, glad to be on, man, and I can't wait to talk about this episode. You know, we are in the home stretch of the series 1220. I always like saying the 2020 series, or because if I say series 12, I think people sometimes might get confused. Is this season 12? Is it series 12? So that's why I just like saying it's the 2019. It's the 2020. But regardless, we are like right at the home stretch. Yeah, I can't believe that it's almost over, dude. You know, it's like we sit here and we wait and we wait and we wait and then we get it. And then before we know it, it's gone. We get it. Cal complains and then it's gone. (laughs) Or do I complain that it's gone because (laughs) it's already gone? Uh, just joking, man. But yeah, it seems like it's almost over already, man. It's just, you know, um, actually the Cultum Collective guys had a pretty good conversation talking about some of the time that we have to wait for the next season. And I think they said they pulled this from an article and I think it's about, what, 15 months in between seasons, if I remember that correctly. But, but yeah, it's just interesting how long we have to wait. Yeah, if if we have it our way, we would have it you know, a lot more episodes and a lot more frequently. So. so let me ask a question, and it's like you kind of had the contact going on because you gave a perfect segue into the news, which is filming for Series 13 is scheduled to begin Fall 2020. So if we look at filming Fall 2020, it's not unrealistic to think that the airing at the earliest might be late 2021 or maybe even and i'm just speculating here early 2022 again that that might mean we may get and now again i'm just guessing here one episode potentially or no episodes potentially in 2021 and what are your thoughts if that happened i would definitely be okay getting the season late next year uh 2021 but but yeah i i just don't like it when they miss a whole calendar year and you know to have one episode in the calendar year uh, in any case is still very lacking so i, I don't know man I'd, I'd rather be a little more consistent but again as the cultural collective guys talked all about this you have to take into account production schedules the various amounts of places and venues that they visit for their shooting and, you know, just getting all of these actors, this big group of actors in one place. So in uh, various other commitments. So, yeah, us as viewers, us as podcast reviewer, show reviewers, we definitely hate it. You know, that's kind of just how it is these days, I guess. Mm, I agree. And I, I mean, I see all that. I see that as valid points. But on the flip of that, when you have so much content that's consumable are they banking on the name recognition of doctor who as being people are going to watch it regardless probably but you know i think the thing you have to watch for and be scary about these long gaps is that will people still be interested after you know this long hiatus and you know i think consistency is great for the fan base and the audience to uh, be primed and ready for what's coming up and the long not so much the gap in particular, but is the not knowing when it's going to be back maybe the biggest part of that, you know? 
if they said right now it'd be back at a certain date, we might be able to cope with that a little better than not knowing anything, you know? And the next thing that I use as a bar of how I see people embracing the show may not have anything to do with BBC the television arm, it might have to do with BBC, the merchandising arm. So they may be totally, you know, separate from each other. But, but that being said, one thing that I did notice during the eras when you were getting at least some episodes every year, I know with Matt Smith's era that you had, you know, the time that was broken up a little bit. And then in Capaldi's run, there was one year that you only had the Christmas special. I get all of that. I saw a lot more merchandising as in you go into Books a Million or you go into Barnes and Noble and you see all this different merchandise. You see all these different books. And I go in now and as far as merchandising goes, the last time I went in, I didn't see any merchandising, no Sonic screwdrivers, no backpacks, nothing like that. And the Doctor Who books, instead of being on the top shelf placement, was on the bottom shelf placement. Mm, that's very interesting. I mean, in addition to maybe your um, your 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 merchandising uh, feedback that you just gave, I do think if you talk about those errors that you mentioned with our tenant, um, and mainly I think the difference is going to be we had other shows uh, while those longer hiatuses may have been going on, we had other shows that kind of, if you were into them, you know, kind of kept you busy. <laughs> case in point, Sarah Jane. Case in point, Torchwood. Yeah, yeah, certainly. So you, a very good point, because that did keep it in the public consciousness, whether it was Doctor Who proper, you had Doctor Who connected in some way. Yes, definitely, definitely. Do you have any other items for the news or anything before we actually get into the review? I said, let's do it. I get to say my favorite thing, which is if you have not seen the most recent episode of Doctor Who, which is the haunting of Villa Diodati. If you've not seen that, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. 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 Alrighty, we are back and we are here to review the haunting of Villa Diodati. This was the eighth episode of the 2020 series of Doctor Who and it originally aired on the 16th of February 2020. So Clarence, some review. What did you think of this episode? I will say my first time watching this, I did not enjoy it all that much. And I said that knowing in the back of my head, if a one Lee Shackelford was here, he would have all these brilliant things to say about uh, Frankenstein and, and um, uh, Miss Shelley. But for me, not knowing a lot of this. You know, the, the, you know, Laura Byron and all the stuff surrounding these characters that we have on screen tonight or, or on this episode. It really didn't catch me the first time. But as we off do as episode slash show reviewers start to dig into the details and, and get some of this history of these people and what they've done to contribute to our our history. Uh, I really enjoyed it a lot more once I've got to learn a little bit more of the backstory of what's going on. And then you have the Lone Cyberman in this episode. It, that I really liked, 
but you know, I feel like it was it wasn't my most favorite episode of the season, but I did enjoy it. I enjoyed parts of it and parts of it I didn't enjoy on the first viewing. Second viewing, I disliked the parts that I didn't like a little less, but uh-huh. I did like, if I could say anything about the cinematography, the way that the lighting was done, the mood that it set. I really, really liked this haunted house feeling that it got. Yeah, and I agree. I think it was shot very well, very well shot. And I will also agree that I was looking forward to hearing our very one and only Lee Shackelford tell us all about Lord Byron <laughs> and Shelley and Frankenstein and all of that. Yeah, he would know. <laughs> he indeed would know. So maybe what we'll have to do is, as the beginning, instead of doing news next week, maybe that Lee can give us some insight on the two of them instead of the news next week. Certainly. So let me ask you this. So we see, uh, of course, a cold opening. We got our cold opening before the, the credits ran. What was your initial thoughts of the first couple of scenes where they get there, they get in the house, and they meet these literary visionaries, these, these authors that are so notable, and they see them as just, hey, they get there and they're normal people. What What was your thoughts on how the setup went down? I, I very much like the setup. I think this is another episode where – you know, you mentioned the cold open and we start with being in their world uh, and the doctor shows up uh, rather unexpectedly um, for the crew. But, yeah, they just show up in, in their world on this night where something magnificent is supposed to happen. And they're being they're at that location being starstruck and just trying to witness this piece of history. And, you know, it's kind of weird because you would think in a home or villa with so few people, you would think their presence, their presence there would automatically throw history off. So I don't know if I buy why they show up there at that location at that time where we're supposed to get the, you know, the genesis of, uh, of, uh, you know, what we know from, from Frankenstein, uh, uh, with Mary Shelley there. So I, I don't know. I do, I do, I did like all the early interactions and, you know, it seemed like they were very much setting us up for a, a pretty cool journey through these these people that, you know, like I said, I didn't know much about from the beginning. So d- let me ask you this. Did you think that we would see the Cybermen in this story or did you, did, you know, at the very beginning, did you anticipate the Cybermen? I don't know if I remember knowing or not, but I, I very much kind of forgot about it. I kind of forgot about about, you know, that the Cyberman might show up. And I really was not expecting it at all. Yes, yeah, But I, I, I do like how it played out, though. So. Yeah, I do, too. And I didn't see it either. I wasn't expecting it. I honestly wasn't expecting the Cyberman to the finale. So that was initially unexpected. What I did like about the beginning was, as so often happens, you know, we see people on TV, whoever that person is that we know as a TV personality or an athlete or what, you know, whatever the public version of that person is, that's not that person. So I really liked how they played up the here's Mary Shelley, here's Lord Byron, and you get there and these are just regular people. 
Well, you know. but are they though? Are they? <laughs> I guess they are. They kind of felt reg- I mean, they. I mean, you get in there, and I felt like they were expecting to walk in and see this. Well, let me go and write on a piece of paper, and let me be uh, inspired. Where and when they get there, they're dancing. Looking at this episode as a whole, you know, the thing that made me not like it as much the first time, they throw a lot of people at you, and if you're not familiar with any of these people, they are throwing. In my opinion, for a show with already, you know, three companions, they throw a lot of people at you who all have their own little unique history about them and you want to research and know more about it. So, you know, when you get to that dance, we do get this this scene where Laura Byron is talking about he doesn't like gossip and they proceed to gossip the whole time they're dancing. So we get a lot of backstory there that, you know, if you don't slow down and pay attention, kind of goes over you. So, again, like going back a second time and watching that. It really made a lot more sense and made me like the characters a lot more. Okay, so this was something that I actually had a little bit of difficulty with. And, and I don't know why, other than the fact there are, there are characters that you meet all at one time. They are characters that are dressed in costumes that we don't usually see. They are all about the same age. I had trouble... <laughs> me too. You know where I'm going with this, don't they you? They all looked alike. You yes, they all looked alike to me. Yeah. I, the, the two women and the two men, I had trouble keeping up with who was who. Again, that's at first style. You know, the second time I'm watching it, I've in consciously putting names with faces. They definitely started to stand out to me. But I will admit, once we get to the end of seeing um, <laughs> seeing Percy Shelley for the first time, I was like, is it, this somebody we've already seen before? You yes, know? <laughs> exactly. Especially when we got to him, I was like, um, it's a lot of characters they're throwing at us. So what did you think of Lord Byron himself? Uh, the womanizer. So I did a little bit of research here, guys. So I don't know this, but uh, <laughs> uh, he, he, he's, he's a, of course, most of these people here are writers, but he's known for uh don juan uh a, a satire don juan uh and he's a known womanizer i guess again quick research <laughs> so that was very much shown in the show itself it showed that he was pretty much the whole time hitting on the doctor he had this relationship with um miss claremont who he very much was ignoring or has given the cold shoulder which you know she has a conversation with Yaz a little later Interesting character. <laughs> yeah, I almost took it to to the point to where he and Jack had a little something in common because I took it to where he was a um, person of the town, I should say. It didn't matter if it were um, man, woman. I took it uh, that he was just all about himself. And if it moved and he liked it, there he went. You know, I kind of I, and that may not be true, I, but that's just kind of the feeling that I got from some of the lines and from the, some of the interaction. But I kind of felt bad for Miss Claremont, especially when, and I think this was the eye-opening point for her, when he basically uses her as a shield. Yeah, poor girl. Poor girl. Who's traveled, you know, 500 miles, mind you, from England to see see the guy. So, yeah, yeah. She's obviously in love with, with this player. <laughs> Womanizer, like, I don't whatever you want to call him. And, uh, yeah, so he's not feeling it. So, well, here's one thing I did like about him and, and I will give this episode credit for prompting me to look up and connect something. 
I did not know that the famous Lord Byron, and I did not know who she was until Spyfall. I did not know that he was Ada Lovelace's father. Neither did I, but freaking awesome tie-in. Awesome tie-in. And I wonder did Lee put two and two together when he got the title of this episode. Uh, but, but yeah, just awesome tie-in. I was like, okay, I see what you're doing. Good job. Good job. Very good job. I mentioned the house a little bit earlier on, and I was saying that it felt haunted and I liked the haunting aspect. What did you think before we found out what was really going on? Did you have any thoughts, speculations of when we see that the house is basically playing tricks on them? So the house, I thought it felt appropriately creepy, but yeah, it's, it's especially we're in this, they're calling the rainy summer or whatever. And with the weather, it definitely looked very creepy. But I flipped that on the other side at the end of the episode when they show it well lit in sunlight. It is very beautiful. So it was interesting. I do like where they went with the sort of the morphing of the house. Yeah, it seems like we've seen that before somewhere and I can't quite put my finger on where we saw it. But uh, I thought that was an interesting concept. All right. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to maybe put your finger on it where we may have seen something similar. This immediately reminded me of the episode, The Doctor's Wife from Series 6, I believe. Uh-huh. Uh, it's either 6 or 7. I think it was 6. And it was the episode where someone traps the TARDIS consciousness in another body, takes over the TARDIS and traps Amy and Rory in the TARDIS. And they were going from room to room in the TARDIS, but it, but it was like a maze that was repeating on itself. So that's what this kind of reminded me of. And when I saw it at first, I was like, oh, the master's back. Cause they, whenever they said there's a perception filter, I was like, whoa, well, there's a perception filter that's the really what the chameleon circuit is. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And I wondered, I was a little confused on that part. And I wondered, were they tying that back to the fact that the psychic paper would not work when they Ooh, got to the house? Good. I had forgotten about that. Interesting. Because cause the doctor made the excuse that it was wet. So so I was wondering were they trying to tie that in. I couldn't really piece it together completely, but yeah, I was very interested by that. And and I had that completely slipped my mind, but it makes sense if there was a perception filter that the psychic paper wouldn't have worked, basically. Yeah, oh yeah, because there's already a psychic field in the area. So yeah, that that's cool. Actually. Yeah, very <laughs> like cool. Good 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 eye there, because I, I that totally 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 eluded me. We see ultimately that there's this ghost figure and pretty much as soon as they figure that out, we see that the ghost figure is the lone Cyberman. So I have a question and my question is to me, it looked like this is the most movable Cyberman that we've ever seen as far as range of motion. Did you notice that too? Hmm. I don't know that I did because he really didn't do a lot of movement that I remember. I don't know. It just seemed seemed like his movements were more human as opposed to more like toy soldier uh, stoic. And maybe they did that because he was supposedly half built, maybe. 
Yeah, the doctor says they they did not finish you. <laughs> actually, one of my quotes. It actually reminded me a little bit bit of uh, although Danny Pink had his mask up or off, it kind of reminded me of that because you you could see his face exposed. Yes. Uh, so I really liked it though. What did you think of? The Siberium, we find out that basically the reason that Shelley's husband, that's not his, not her husband, was not there was because he was in the cellar and he had absorbed this liquid metal called the Siberium. What did you think of this concept of Siberium? Any thoughts on it? So, of course, we get the appearance of Jack um, several episodes back, and he t- he says, don't give the lone Cyberman what he wants. And we put, you know, piece together that this is what the Cyberman wants is this Siberium. I really like the concept of the Siberium, this kind of liquid um, sentient. I don't know if it's sentient or not, but this thing that has all of this information and technical know-how pertaining to the Cybermen and who, who who knows what else it can do. I do like the concept of that. It reminded me of something, but I can't quite put my finger on it, but I do really, really like it. I think it's a cool concept, a cool idea that someone, probably the doctor, sent it in the past so no one could find it. So yeah, I, I, I really love the concept of it. I think it's really, really cool. What about you? Yeah, I I knew as soon as I started thinking about the Siberium, I was like, when I asked Clarence this question or whenever I was thinking, when I, well, I know if, whenever I asked Lee and Clarence this, I know Clarence is going to like this because it's technology based. It's To me, this was like a idea of an advanced AI and yeah, without yeah. sentience, maybe, but an advanced AI to the nth degree. Because they made a comment regarding that it could, you know, strategize and it could be logistics and all of this. I'm like, this is a liquid metal computer, an advanced AI liquid metal computer. Uh, that being said, I did like the, the look of it. I like the concept of it. The thing that I lost on the Siberium and the whole giving it what it wants was I was expecting giving it what it wants to have some as a viewer watching that we would feel torn giving it what it wanted. And I didn't feel torn giving it what it wanted. So they went to great lengths to try to make us feel what the doctor felt in this decision, this, you know, impossible decision a possible choice to give give the Cyberman what it wants or kill Percy or, you know, I thought there may, it could have been a third option, which I guess the doctor did take a third option at first by putting it in herself. So I think they really tried to make us feel like the doctor was battling within herself to make this decision. She even gives Ryan this whole spill about, you know, words and how words matter and all this other stuff. But, you know, I agree with you. I really wasn't feeling it. I really wasn't feeling it. I I, I do think it's a very important object or thing that, and, and, you know, of course it's going to have ramifications in the future as we get these next two episodes. But I really didn't feel their pursuit to try to make us try to, um, convey how important this was uh, as the doctor, you know, you know, um, had this decision. It felt like it was conveniently interjected into this episode as opposed to organically 
crafted into the episode. And if you would have had the Siberium been found by Ryan, Yaz, or Graham, any of the three, and it's a, and it's a decision of them dying or giving the Cybermen what it wants. As a viewer, I would have been emotionally invested in that story because the doctor had to make a choice. I save my traveling companion right now or I give the Cyberman what it wants. That to me, I would have loved that. Yeah. And, and, and like my opinion of, of how it's introduced, I think that maybe if they took the segment where the doctor reads um, Percy's brain for a second – uh, and sees him contracting the Siberium. Mm-hmm. I think if they would have took that, but you know, maybe not shown per- shown Percy's face. But if they would have put that at the front of the episode, it would have gave us time to digest. You know that this is kind of a bad thing. We're kind of throwing a lot of stuff in the last twenty minutes Agreed. of the episode. In, in, in the episode where there's already a lot to <laughs> to kind of take in and you know process. Yes. And and you're right. That's that's why I think that it just felt a little bit too convenient, you know, yeah. and that this the other part of that was I did not like the tone that or the the way that she addressed Ryan. And it was I, I don't know, it was just a little bit off putting the, you know, this team structure. It's mountainous that sometimes this isn't. This yeah, team structure top. isn't flat. Yeah. It's mountainous with me at the summit. I'm at the top. Yeah. You know what? I think that was meant to have a doctor. You know, we've been asking for a doctor moment. We keep asking for it. We've gotten a few from her already. Um, but I think that was meant to be a doctor moment that just fell flat, mm. in my opinion. I want to hear other people's thoughts. But yeah, I want to hear I, other people's thoughts, too, because it didn't fall flat to me. It It, again turned me off to this doctor. Well, you know, I mean, you've seen David Tennant do similar things. Uh, that might be the intention to make her seem in this this certain way. But again, she I think this was another point where there where they were trying to really strike a message if you really look into what the doctor was saying of of how words reverberate throughout history and they can change history. So I don't know if there's like some hidden hidden message is there excuse me, hidden message that they're trying to show. Uh, or convey to us, but it just didn't stick. And I will give you that. The message about the books, I never thought, and, and I guess if you look at it, and I'm about to say something that as soon as I say it, I totally Uh-oh. contradict. No, 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 this isn't bad. <laughs> this isn't bad because I totally, totally contradict myself as soon as I even think it, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I was going to say I've never really thought about books mattering that much and then as soon as i had that thought enter my head i thought the bible yeah well i mean think of how books matter other than the bible think about how books matter to education to you as your entertainment because you're a big comic book person true so 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 books in whatever form definitely matter whether it's poems or you know novels or 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 history or religious you know books are very important yes and and so so the message that they gave there I thought was profound because it, again, made me think, and I love that. I just didn't like 
that interaction between her and Ryan. And I will compare and contrast that to an episode that we've reviewed, which is the uh, genesis of the Daleks, where mm-hmm. Sarah is basically telling the doctor to destroy the Daleks. And he is saying, you know, do I have that yeah. right? Oh, good, good catch there. Cause that's basically the same thing. That's same exact thing. <laughs> But the same feeling anyway that's conveyed. Yes, because he was – because really and truly, you're looking at all of the things the Daleks – all these people the Daleks kill in the future. Yep, yep. And, and she's exactly. saying, yes, yes, do it. And he doesn't go off on her. And and there were many times that the doctor was stern and took, you know, authority, you know, took authority and said, you know, I'm in control – but it was just, I think, the way she delivered it, or the, or the way I perceived it, it was like, okay, you're really kind of ticking me off here. Yeah, and and uh, on top of that, there's another moment earlier in the episode where Doctor Polidori, if yes, I'm saying that right, I think he so. challenges Ryan to to a gun to a pistol fight, I guess, <laughs> and uh, that's when the hand comes in and interrupts the duel. The ensuing duel as uh, Polidori goes to get his gun, but Ryan like tears off into him when he gets back when they finally things finally settle down. He like he's like uh, just going off about you trying to shoot me and get this gun. You know, it feels very like very much like I could see the doctor saying the the lines that they gave him because you know uh, Polidori is going to shoot him. Yes, exactly, <laughs> and it just. You know, there there was just several points that just kind of felt off kilter or, like you said, fell flat. Yeah. So let me ask you this. This was something that I was unclear about, and I don't know if they intended for it to be unclear. Were there really ghosts there or not? Yeah, I think they just intentionally made it unclear. I mean, I'm from the – if you really think of the psychic connection to the house and the house morphing, who knows if that didn't come from um, Percy Shelley's mind or not? You know, I, I really think it could. And, you know, this is a bit of fun. They're trying to leave open for us to, you know, figure out for ourselves. So True. Well, one thing, you know, you did reference history. And one thing I did learn about history, and again, something that they did that was very visually accurate. And they may have even did their on location using the same house but from the pictures that i've seen of the house that house that they used did indeed look very much like the house that you know was really villa diodati and so that that was cool i did read that this time was not just one night it was over three days that they were in this house and basically it was a who can come up with the best story and that was how her original Frankenstein manuscript came about. And I think Lord Byron maybe wrote something like Vampire or something. It was the first modern uh, vampire story, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so I'm sure someone will know, but he was reading from something at the very beginning of the episode, which sounded very familiar to something like Dracula. So that maybe that was the vampire you're talking about. Interesting. Maybe. May well be. We see that this is going to lead us into the two-part finale. What are your expectations, knowing that this next one is going to be part one of a two-part finale, 
And the hint is things are about to change again, or this will change everything. Any thoughts as to what's about to change? Yeah, none, none. I will say that I love how you could even possibly consider this episode as the first part to the three-part finale, you know. I could see that. And when you think of all of the, you know, we've been talking about, we want uh, breadcrumbs from Chibno. I think he's done a pretty decent job of doing that this season. Uh, you know, having Jack show up, having the the other mysterious doctor show up. And I, I just feel like they've done a good job of amping us up for whatever is going to be at the end. Now, I hope, you know, I have no clue, but I hope the end actually turns out to be something great. And I think they can pull it off because, I mean, I think they've been really strong this season. Even in the episodes, I really that didn't really have me that excited or didn't wasn't really my episode for me. I still felt like felt like they still had a lot of strong points therein. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what they do for these last two. And I, I'm comp- confident going in, not knowing, knowing anything and not expecting anything, really, except to be wild. All right. So I'm not really and I don't know anything. I, I have not even watched the trailer other than I've seen people like tweeting, saying, you know, everything's about to change. So that's where I get that from. That said, I do wonder if we're going to see the master again. I, I really hope we do. I liked him as a yeah, character. He's awesome. I do hope we see the mystery doctor again. I think you know, don't make us wait if it's oh, another year and a half. Oh, they better not do that. Yeah, I want to see. And I'm also wondering if we'll see Jack again. I think Jack is the least out of the three that we will see. Yeah, but he did give her that information. So who knows? Who knows? I'm anxiously optimistic that this is going to be a really good two-part finale. I hope that we're not going away especially empty-handed, but I hope it's not something delivered that we don't like. So I'm going to be uh, hopefully optimistic. Quick question, before we get into our favorite scene, was there anything else that you had that we have not covered? Hmm, I'll just run through a few things, I guess, really quick. I do like the, the section where they did the dancing and did the gossip. Although on first viewing, they give you a lot of information really quickly i had to actually slow it down to grab the information they were talking about i think it's a lot of cool things because they talk about relationships between all these characters that are in this house and and just give you a little a slight bit of back information about what's going on and and who's with who and who's pursuing who and all this other good stuff so i really really like that i also liked how dr pelladori was pretty creepy (laughs) Yes. <laughs> he had this whole sleepwalking thing going on, going, going. And the reason they actually figured out the perception uh, thing was over the house. Uh, so our, the psychic, whatever you want to call it, over the house. So I really, I really like that. And, you know, his character was pretty cool, I'll say. Also, there's a, <laughs> there's a rather funny moment when all of the characters, but the doctor's crew, except the TARDIS crew, were in the room and the butler, I forget his name, were leading them into the room and they just like jump up like they were doing something very nefarious or, or naughty. <laughs> I'm like, what was going on? Was a, they, uh, who knows what's going yeah, on? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I think that was sort of like a end joke for people that were really into the history of these characters. Cause yeah. uh, I believe the lady that wrote 
this with Chibnall is not said to be someone that's like an expert in this time period on them. So I'm wondering if that was some end joke that only people that are really big fans of them would have gotten maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That that was interesting. <laughs> oh, also I'll mention, mention that I really love the costumes that they have on. Especially yes. Ryan's was pretty sweet. I, I'm trying to figure out what the doctor was actually wearing because she had her coat, but she was not wearing the rainbow tee in the, yes. the short pants. So I, I kind of like what she was wearing, actually. I thought it was pretty cool. And at the end, I liked that she had this scar, another scarf on, and it was a long black looking scarf. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I'm I'm just going down the list. There's one other thing we have to mention. Yaz's conversation with Miss Claremont. So Miss Claremont mentions that Byron answers only increase her enigma. And Yaz mentions that she knows someone like that. But we she never tells us who that is. So Yaz knows someone whose answers increases her mystery, increases the mystery. Is she mm. talking about the doctor or mm. I was, I was confused because you're comparing like a romantic relationship to whatever Yaz is really mystified by or really likes. And, you know, I, I, I I'm just kind of running through my head like, who is she talking about? It has to be the doctor, right? Yeah. See, I, I took that three different ways. I took that as a nod to the number one section of the fans that want to do what they call shipping, (laughs) uh, the doctor and Yaz. So I thought I took that as, Hey, there's a nod for that section. I took it for the other section, which is probably the majority that look at it as here's this person that every time we do get a question answered from her, that doesn't say much. It just poses more questions than what we already knew. Case in point, one of the first things that they really find out about her is she used to be a man. Yeah. You know, so that I was like, well, you know, there's more mystery. The more we find out, the more mysteries we get. The other part is my far flung hypothesis that she's really working for the master. You think she's talking about the master? And I was thinking maybe she's talking about the master. Interesting. Man, please don't let Yaz be bad. I'm through. I'm off the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But speaking of, I want to say this real quick before we get into our favorite scene. You made a comment earlier that about the thing that got sent back to Siberium, that maybe the doctor did that by sending it back to keep it from the Cybermen. Let me pose this. There is, okay, so someone sent something back in an attempt to change the future. That is very similar to Missy's going back in the past and having the Cybermen basically, the clock, you know, the clockwork uh, Cybermen that she basically took to heaven, as she called it, and all these things that she was doing to bring about this next age of Cybermen. So what if the person who sent the Siberia back in the past was not to keep it from the Cybermen, but maybe to have it do whatever it was going to do and rebirth the Cybermen? So what if it was the master that did it? Mm, That would be interesting. Because, you know, I keep going back on whether or not this is pre 
Missy Master or post Missy Master. So regardless of how you look at it from a point of view, that would, if it was him, that would either be something that he's tried before or it's something that he's just now attempting, depending on where he is in the timeline. Yeah, I, I would be down for that. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think there's going to be something else that we'd see from the master this season and it is probably going to be pretty big. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down for whatever they can give us, uh, with him returning. Yes, me too. Me, and, and who would have thought that I would like instantly be accepting? So that's, that should say something about his portrayal. As much as I like Missy, I immediately was not going, Oh, he's not Missy. I'm like, Oh, cool. I like him. You just like the TARDIS house. I did like the TARDIS house. <laughs> but you know what I also like? I also like knowing what someone's favorite scene was. So what was your favorite scene? Uh, my favorite scene is when the lone Cyberman confronts the doctor and the doctor says, interesting, look what happened. They got bored halfway through or something. And um, he says, I'll complete, I've, I'm complete enough to serve my purpose. Then his blaster misfires and then the doctor is like, oh bit embarrassing so i love that whole little scene there i thought it was fun all right so my favorite scene was actually the well i actually i almost have two and they kind of tied and they were both kind of funny the very beginning where they open the door and it's like there they are and they're standing outside and it's this it reminded me of that like an 80s TV comedy or something and you open the door and you see the people kind of jump and then you see the credits roll that that's kind of what that reminded <laughs> me of so that was kind of cool the other one was Ryan trying to play the piano yeah yeah that was that was cute i like that yeah. he was he was um you know flirting with Michelle there yeah that was cool i li- i i really liked that my favorite quote my favorite quote would have to be any of the times in this episode where they referred to Misery's doctor. Oh, and we have to mention that Lord Byron was pretty much hitting on the doctor the whole time. Yes. <laughs> yes. So and that was interesting and awkward for her. Very awkward, but very interesting at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah, I loved it. Loved it. Favorite quote from you, my friend. Uh, so there's a scene where they're looking over the bones that are in the little containers i guess they captured the hand which they they didn't show or either that i missed it and then lord byron says my bones have never caused such mischief before i swear so yeah i thought that was pretty funny very cool very (laughs) cool final rating what would you give this i will give it a i'll give it a solid four i'll give it a solid four again like i think if i'd known more about these these individuals, these poets and writers, uh, I think I would have just fell in love with this episode. But on first viewing, it took me going through the research to know more about these characters to come back again and watch it and be like, oh, that's what's going on. I understand now. Kind of cool. You know, <laughs> so I, I give it a, a solid four. And you know what? I think I have to give this season. And, well, I'm going to give it a four, too, but are not four dot two, but four solid four. I will compliment though this season because I think we said this and have said this more often than we did last season. There have been historical things that have prompted us to go do more research. 
You know what I'm saying? You know, we've had Ada Lovelace, at least for me. You know, we then we had Tesla. Now we've got this. And there's another time I know we've referred to history. So I love the fact that this episode and others like it are expanding our own knowledge. So I really, really like that. Yeah, and and um, just a little thing before we move on, that poem that Lord Byron was reading at the end of the episode is the actual poem that he wrote called "Darkness," which he did write in the year of the uh, without a summer. And um, I thought it was really cool the words at the end of it about um, she was a universe, yes. and they kind of fade to the doctor. So that was really cool. And it's funny that you said that because I have my screen like blocked on that particular scene uh, because I was watching it literally right until we started recording. And I do like the look and the way they, you know, zoom in on her face and she kind of looks up and gives this smile. I like that. Mm -hmm. That was cool. I like how they did that. Oh yeah. All right. So I have one final question and that final question is where else might people find you on the internet? Um, I'm going to say if you are into Star Trek Picard or any of the various All Things Treks episodes, movies, whatever, check out the Discussing Trek podcast. But I'm not going to point you to the podcast feed directly. I'm going to say check out our YouTube page and give us a subscribe and a like, which you can find by going to YouTube.com slash Discussing Trek. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I will point everyone to our discussing comics podcast we just yesterday as of this recording released a house of x powers of x follow-up called the dawn of x sort of a report card and if everyone listening who has heard our recent episode of discussing who where why should you watch doctor who where i talked to a gentleman by the name of ryan kent Well, Ryan has joined us now on Discussing Comics, and he was on our show where we talked about Dawn of X. So check that out at DiscussingComics.com. And you know what I am going to say in my head? I'm going to say, Lee Shackelford, where else might you be found on the Internet? And I think he might say what? Where would he be found on the Internet, Clarence? By going to your various podcast players and searching for Relativity Podcasts which is an audio serial for your ears and mine where we're going strong on the current season. And, you know, things are just ramping up and uh, Lee's awesome. And the story is great. <laughs> it is cool to see so many people jumping on and you should jump on too. If you're listening, what are you waiting for? <laughs> yes. You can find out by going to the going to relativity podcast.com. Dot com. All right. Well, and I want to say it anyway, gentlemen, it has been a pleasure because Lee, you are always here with us. If not in voice, you are here with us in spirit. So thank you for your time. Everyone listening. Thank you for your time. We're glad that you joined us. And guess what? We will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 
thousand titles to choose from. Imagine a genre, they've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices. Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audible trial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that?